Hello and welcome everybody to the Logistics Tribe. I'm your host, Boris Felgendreer, and this is episode number one of the Logistics Tribe podcast. And the timing couldn't be better for this particular episode because today, Shipio, the Paris-based supply chain visibility platform that has made such a splash over the last couple of years, has announced a new funding round of $32 million. And today, on this episode number one of the Logistics Tribe podcast, I have Lucien Bess, the co-founder and chief operating officer of Shipio, as my guest. Pure coincidence. So if you want to look beyond the headlines on this deal, you have certainly come to the right place because today's show is all about supply chain visibility and why Shipio has been so successful in tackling this persistent issue. So without further ado, here comes Lucien Bess. Hello, Lucien. Welcome to the Logistics Tribe. Thanks for being on the program. Hello, Boris. Thanks for inviting me. Of course, of course. Lucien, you are the co-founder and the chief operating officer of Shipio, very successful supply chain visibility platform based in Paris. You were founded in 2014, and I believe it must have been shortly after you were founded that we first talked, first met, and I've, um, I've monitored and kept a close eye on you guys in the last few years. I'm super impressed by what you've been able to accomplish in these short six years of your existence. Um, before we get started, I mean, I just look at your roster, the companies and the platform how it's evolved. It's super, super exciting. Uh, we get into all of that. But before we do, maybe take us back to really that year, 2013, 2014, when you were well a young guy then and you were still a young guy now. <laughs> <laughs> what made you think when you were looking at supply chain logistics you must have noticed, okay, there's something wrong with supply chain visibility and you went out to solve it. Like, take me back to your thought process. What, what, did, you, what did the world look like from your vantage point when you first started th thinking about launching a company like this? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And um, if I look back in the days in 2014, no one was really talking about supply chain visibility. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it was basically a concept that was not existing. Uh, if you... If you would have told me uh, five or six years ago, you are going to develop the supply chain visibility platform. Uh, I would have told you, okay, what's, what's visibility about? Um, so I have to say that the first thing that we've, we've looked for was an exciting market. Mm -hmm. uh, before finding an, uh, finding an exciting idea or, or building an exciting product, uh, we, we were looking for an exciting market. And uh, I was not an expert uh, in supply chain or transportation. Uh, neither were my co-founders. And... Um, and when we first discovered this market, it was in 2000, between 2013 and 2014, uh, we just saw that uh, first it was a big market uh, with a lot of interesting uh, companies and, and a lot of uh, innovation to drive. Um, and that was, that was really the, the, the starting point. It was not the idea, which is so sometimes the case when you build a company, it was really the market itself. Uh, so we started with the market and then we, we spent probably... 18 months uh, on the road uh, talking to people. Uh, I remember we talked mm -hmm. to a lot of, of carriers, uh, supply chain departments, uh, associations, etc. We spent a lot of time uh, uh, here and there. And, and finally, we, we came out with this idea about visibility, where is my delivery? And I have to say that it was not the, the first idea that I would have had on this market. Mm -hmm. Because if you would have told me uh, five years ago, uh, you know, there is a visibility problem. People don't know where their delivery is. I would have told you, okay, but in 2014, uh, Boris, uh, people should know where the deliveries are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. So that was yes. a, that was quite a surprise for me. Uh, but it, uh -huh. it's, as a matter of fact, it, it did not it did not exist uh, back then. So that's why we we started to work on that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and somehow I consider you part of 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 a group of entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs 
that started entering into this field of logistics tech right around that time. And I, I think before that, you really didn't see that, that young people that were not from the industry, right, came to the picture, identified a problem, and then started building a company around it. That's, that's somewhat fresh and somewhat new. And it still continues to this day and has matured and grown. For example, I recently talked to David Notaker, the, the, the founder of Sender, for example, out of Berlin. Yeah. Um, same, same story there. The founding team did have no experience in, in, in what they were doing now. Super successful, a couple of years into the, into the venture. And then recently talked to the chief operating officer of Flaschenpost. Mm-hmm. the delivery service in Germany that was just sold to, to Edgar for a billion dollars. So there's something going on. And same, same thing in there. This guy had no, no prior experience or prior expertise in logistics supply chain, but yet was, um, was um, able to build a successful company in just a few years. So yeah. the times are changing, huh? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that the, the good ideas cannot come from the people uh, being in the industry since 10 years. Uh, or, yeah. or 20 years, but it has to be a mix. I mean, yeah. and, when, and when people and thoughts and experiences are being mixed, it usually creates uh, a great successes. And, and that, that's why we thought from the beginning, uh, we have to start from a blank page. That's really important. Mm-hmm. But we also have to, of course, to talk to people that are in the, in the industry since 20 years. So that's yeah. this kind of, of uh, mix of experience and, and knowledge of the industry that we've tried to create it since the beginning. And, and we do have uh, today in the company working at Chipeo a lot of people that are that have experience in supply chain since 15 years, and that's also yes. a great asset for us. So it's not yes. only about yeah. starting from a blank page and, and uh, not knowing anything and and, and, and staying there. Yeah, exactly. It's also <laughs> mixing experiences. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And also, I mean, for the longest time, it was very hard for for young startup founders to get funding for for a venture, especially in Europe. Right. We were. It's always considered we're several years behind in the, in the way we look at funding, funding new ventures and funding startups. Has that improved now? I mean, 2014, how did you get started? How did you get funded? So the first funding round, what, a couple of million from friends and family or what was your uh, first round? It's, it's, so, we, we, yeah, we started with, uh, of course, we started with our own money, uh, putting uh, most of our savings on the table uh, to hire the first developers and, and build the first USP, uh, MVP, sorry. Uh, so... That, that, that was really the, the early days. Um, and, and quite early, I have to say, in the life of Shipeo, we've managed to get access to capital uh, through a, a venture capitalist um, mm-hmm. because it was, um, I think the size of the market was quite appealing. Mm. Um, the dynamics that we had since day one was also quite appealing for investors um, because uh, people understand that it's, it's really the, the, the hot, hot, hot topic of the moment. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and it's not just me saying it, it's Gartner, it's everyone saying this. Uh, so we, we, we didn't have that, that much difficulty, to be honest, to gain access to capital. Uh, but you have to do it right in, the right in the right timing, at the right moment, not to grow too fast or too slow. Uh, but that's, that's another topic. But yeah, it was, not, it was not, I would say, the biggest issue. The biggest issue is yeah. always to uh, have the right product at the right moment, at the right time. And for that, we've been quite lucky, I guess, because we've really been the witness of the creation of this market. Uh, and, and now you might know that there is a magic quadrant coming out next year, being done by Gartner on visibility. There's a lot of things that have been created uh, Finally, these days yeah. around this market. Yeah, it's quite exciting. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's nice to see that uh, in five years, things uh, change dramatically on this market. And, and, and the dynamic is, is just crazy, yeah. Well, take me back to those early days of the early product. So the first, you know, minimal viable product that you took out there to the market. What did that look like? And who were the first customers that, 
that said, well, let, let's let's try, let's give it a try, let's let's jump. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, when you start when you start a company, you always have to uh, to look for uh, innovators. It's, it's, the, it's the first people who are going to buy uh, to buy your product. It's uh, it's innovators. Uh, I don't know if you if you know this. Uh, Uh, this book, which is quite quite interesting, called uh, "Crossing the Chasm." Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. and, and, uh, and the innovator's dilemma. The, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So in, in "Crossing the Chasm," you always start uh, uh, by the innovators, and that's what you need to do. And back back then, in in, in 2014 and 15, we've just uh, looked for innovators. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that whatever the product we would have had, they would have. By it. I mean, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but it's kind of it's kind of that you need to find people that have trust in you, uh, and and who are ready to test anything. And the first product that we actually put on the market uh, was a mobile app, a mobile app for mm -hmm. truck drivers, which is mm -hmm. completely different from what we are doing today. Because of course, we still have a great mobile app with a lot of use cases, etc. But it's 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 much bigger than that. What we are building right now, it's a it's a multimodal global visibility platform for 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 large enterprises. So it's really different from a mobile app. Yeah, but the first, the first idea that we had on the market five years ago was, okay, carriers and shippers do not manage to share information in real time. Let's build a mobile app. And we saw that uh, in six months, all the carriers in Europe would download this mobile app and it would be a great success. Of course, that's not what happened. <laughs> um, uh, the mobile app was used. We, we did a lot of things with it, but it was not enough. It was not enough. Yeah. So we were the first on the market If you look at all, all, all the companies doing that today, we were really the first on the market to say, okay, let's try to integrate telematics of the carrier and then let's try to integrate TMS of the carriers to be agnostic uh, of the mode of, uh, of collecting the information and to be able to, to, uh, to have a wider, a wider scope. So that, that was the first product, actually. It was a mobile app for truck drivers and then it became a global visibility platform. So it really... Really evolved in a few years, yeah. Yeah, and who were the first customers that that were willing to 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 take a risk, not the rest, but willing to try it and, and, and try it out? Who were the first innovators? Yeah, we had we had a, a great traction uh, at that time with uh, with Kingfisher Group, uh, one of their subsidiary, mm -hmm. Castorama in France, uh, was oh, one yeah. of the mm -hmm. first uh, company who tested the products. Uh, uh, thanks to them, uh, we had uh, a good first traction also with Foresia in the automotive industry. Uh, they tested the product and they are still customer. We, we are really proud about yes. that. Mm -hmm. uh, Leroy Merlin, big DIY retailer, uh, also mm -hmm. in France, uh, who, who, who tested the product and who is still a, a happy customer, growing also year after year. Um, and, right. and by the way, I think that's, that's our, our biggest achievement is to, is to have kept our customers since day one, which are still using yeah. the platform, growing with us, etc. So it's really a really great achievement for us. So yeah, thanks to them. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. And then, of course, you know, as you were growing, as as the product matured, you you had to hire a team. Talk to me about the the team growth. I mean, you've expanded dramatically. Right now, you're what at 180 people, something like that, almost 200. Yeah, 160, something like that. 160. Uh, yeah, will be uh, maybe a bit bigger by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, grow, I mean, if if, you, if I take a step back on this on this uh, on this on this topic, uh, I truly believe, and I, I, I'm a true believer that that 99 of the success of a company relies on people. Right. And in even even more when the company is growing, hmm. the more you grow, the more you need to rely on talented people, uh, and 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 that's that's very true. That was very true for us. All the things that were successful at Chibio, it was related to people, definitely, uh, because we had great uh, great people in the company. Uh, we we very early in the life of Chibio defined some values. Uh, 
which uh, I see, I still believe are a great way to hire the people that will uh, succeed at GPO. Uh, so we have four values, uh, ambition, commitment, simplicity, and team spirit. Uh, so that's the four values that we have at GPO. And I think it, it, it really reflects the mentality of the people that are working in the company. Uh, they, are ambition, they are ambitious uh, for themselves and for the company. Uh, they are committed, meaning that they do the extra mile every day. I'm always impressed by the commitment that we have uh, in our teams. Uh, they are simple. Uh, we don't do politics. We, we don't complexify stuff and, and they work as a team. So that's, that's really four values that are really important for us. And, and uh, finding the right people is, is a big challenge and it's a, an everyday challenge. Yeah. And I, I really see the difference of one of our, one of our uh, action being successful or not if we have uh, someone that is great or someone that is really, really, really great. I mean, that, that makes a huge, huge difference. So that's why we only want to hire, <laughs> hire the best. Yeah. Yeah. And you will probably eventually reach the point where it's impossible to know everybody personally. You probably haven't reached that point yet. You still know everybody by, by name when they come by your desk. And yeah, I think I could tell the name of everyone in the company. That's, that's still a bit uh, difficult, of course. I might, I might have some hesitations, but I, I still know everyone <laughs> in the company. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think that's, that's uh, strongly related to our, one of our values, which is simplicity. Um, mm -hmm. because of course we have middle management, we have processes, we have hierarchy in the company, etc. but we try to be, uh, to be very simple in the way we interact between each other, which means that, and, and that's something that I tell to all the newcomers joining the company. We have an onboarding process and I, I'm part of the onboarding process. All the newcomers, they, they sit for one hour with me and I just tell them about the values, uh, the vision, what we do, how we work at Chipio. And I like to take some time to do it with each of the employees joining. And the first thing that I tell that I tell them is, you guys will be the future uh, guardians of these values, and and so if you if you start feeling that we are doing something in the wrong way or we are not ambitious enough or we are not committed enough, etc., just come and knock at my door and 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 tell it. And you guys are responsible for the future of the success of the company. So that's really really important for me to make sure that people feel people feel empowered and and responsible for what they do at, uh, at in the company. Yeah, and this one, 2020, was a very different year. You probably onboarded people and hired people in the pandemic that were never part of the office, never came in. Is that has been reality as well for you? That yeah, you yeah. hired people you haven't met, physically met or you, you that haven't been able to come to the office yet? <laughs> yeah, we, we I think we've onboarded 70-plus people on remote, Whoa. Uh, purely on remote. Yeah. So first, big... Uh, <laughs> Big, big thanks and congrats to uh, the HR team. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> we kidding. Did, we did a great job. Uh, they are amazing, to be honest. I mean, uh, it's mainly two people who did that and, and they are really, really amazing. And yeah, it's quite, quite strange uh, not to know physically people. I remember I had a conversation with one of our, one of our uh, marketing team members. Uh, great guy. He did a lot of stuff uh, in, in the first months uh, and... and uh, between the two lockdowns, I, I took a beer and I saw the guy coming and I said, oh, finally, that's you. I mean, we worked so many, so many hours uh, together and I didn't, I didn't, I haven't seen you so far. So, I mean, it's really, really strange uh, to kind of yeah. dis rediscover people you know, after you start, you started to work with them. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a big challenge for us. Yeah, I can imagine. And then you say, let's uh, just continue down that path of, of, of how the company grew. When was the point when you realized, 
Well, I, I would guess the, the first couple of years, you, you're still on the fence whether you you have something successful here, right? Whether this is actually going to work, there's probably a lot of self-doubt. When was the time when you realized, oh my God, I think we hit it now. Now we're hitting stride. Now we found the right product market fit. Now we're onto something. When was that time? Was, do you remember a particular moment where that happened? Uh, yeah, I think it was between 2018 and 19. Um, okay. So, so quite a quite a few years in then. All right. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would say 2018. Uh, to yeah. be honest, mm-hmm. I mean, we we've launched the company in 14. In 15, we were just trying to find the, the, the ideas, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the product market fit. Uh, in 16 and 17, we were piloting with first customers, uh, deploying our first customer, and 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 things really exploded in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we 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 really saw things changing. It it hugely relates to the maturity of the market. And I think the, the the market became suddenly more mature in 2018 because uh, because we we had our first customers, we had our first success stories, we were uh, able to prove the value of the solution, uh, and the market was also much uh, much pushy for these kind of solutions. So really, I think uh, 2018 was really a, a changing a changing uh, and, and pivotal uh, year for us. In the, in the growth of the company. Yeah, and when you say the market has become more mature, what do you contribute that to? Why, why do you think the market has just had suddenly matured in 2018? I, I, I believe that it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. The, the, first, the first thing is that uh, we see more and more companies taking this visibility topic as, as a very high priority in the company, uh, not only on the supply chain department, but really at the, almost at the CEO uh, uh, level. Why? Because people believe, especially for uh, companies uh, selling uh, products, that uh, they want to switch to a, a kind of product as a service uh, mode, which I call product mm-hmm. as a service, mm-hmm. meaning developing a new a new service around their product. And and I think this this was uh, this was accelerated in the last few years with the rise of uh, rise of everything that you know, the e-commerce, the expectation on the B two C. I'm not going to tell that story again that I tell every day, but if we are doing that, it's because you, uh, Boris, when you order something on an e-commerce platform, uh, you are completely used to have a great service and companies, they want the same. They just want the same. Yeah. They want the same mm-hmm. for them. They want the same for their customers. And it's, it's, not, it's not a nice to have anymore. It's, it's a must have. I mean, when you sell a, a product and when you deliver uh, something that is worth millions of euros, uh, to your customers or, or that is worth uh, less, you want to have a great experience for your customers. And you want to have the same experience as in B2C. And I think this the, the this frontier being kind of erased between B2C and B2B, this happened in the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I truly believe that people are, are consuming, <laughs> which is not the right word, but people are, are buying their B2B products the same way they are consuming their B2C uh, uh, product. It's exactly the same. So I think that if we have to just remember one thing, that would be the first, the first uh, topic that I would uh, that would tell definitely. Yeah, I think there may be something else going on too. And I want to challenge something that you said very often in conversation. You said that in 2014, when you started, the concept of supply chain visibility wasn't there, or people weren't talking about it. It's actually I would like to challenge that because I know when I started working at GT Nexus in 2009. Right, five years prior to that, people were already talking about supply chain visibility. It's just that the the definition of what that means and what it actually looks like in action has changed over time. And maybe what happened around 2018 that that companies like like yours, Shipio and others, were actually pointing the way of what real 
supply chain visibility looks like on an item level in real time. Yeah, I know exactly where my stuff is. Back in the days, people said, when you ask people, do you have supply chain visibility? I said, yeah, I, I do have supply chain visibility. All I have to do is I, I call my 3PL and they will tell me yeah. where my container is. Yeah, yes, sure, yeah. that, that is one level of that is one, <laughs> yeah. one level of visibility, but it's not at all what can be accomplished today. So maybe it's a sort of that, that feeling, that realization sinking in, that real, real-time supply chain visibility extends to so much more than what mm. people actually were expecting. Maybe that's another element. Um, no, I mean, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, supply chain visibility uh, as a product was not existing before, definitely. I think that people just suddenly realized that they needed a dedicated product to answer this challenge. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's a big mm -hmm. change because you've talked about GT Nexus, which is a great company with a great product. But GT Nexus, it's global trade management. Uh, so it's it's how to manage trade with your suppliers. That's that's the first topic that they are trying to answer. And you know better than me that a successful company, they need to answer one challenge and not 10 at, at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah, GT yeah, Nexus yeah, yeah. was answering a great, a, in a great in a great manner this challenge. And visibility was coming on top of it. It was not the core of what, you, uh, what GT Nexus was offering. Uh, I think what we are doing at Chico is a bit different because visibility is the core of what we are offering, which means that all my R&D team uh, is just working on this. <laughs> they are just trying mm -hmm. to solve this, this topic. And, and, and I think it's a, it's a topic that is large enough, big enough, strategic enough to have a company dedicated to that. So I think that yeah. that's a big change between uh, 2019 and 10 and, 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 and uh, 2009 and 10 we, and, and today, which is you have companies that are really dedicated their resources to to. to and so the challenge. Yeah, let's let's double click on what the the platform looks today. What's the what's the current setup today? If I become a customer of of Shipio, what do I get? What um, what do I accomplish with the platform? The, the first thing that you get, of course, um, which is I would say the bread and butter of what we are doing is connectivity with your carriers. The I, I, and by carriers you mean only truck or do you mean no? So like we, we do multimodal today, so we do ocean uh, container mm -hmm. uh, trucks, FTL, LTL, parcels. Uh, multimodal, of course, so it's it's really wider than, than truck. Even if trucks is, of course, our, our, our okay, home yeah. market, I would say <laughs> it's it's where yeah. we started uh, with trucks. But now we are expanding to other modes. So it's a multimodal visibility platform. And the first challenge is connectivity. When I try to describe the, the solution that I'm building for people that are not knowledgeable in supply chain, I just tell them what I'm doing is a multi-plug. Uh, it's a multi-plug. You have a lot of carriers. You have one shipper working with 500 or 5,000 carriers. They need to connect them all. They use Shipio to get access to the data from the carriers. And so that's, mm -hmm. that's the, 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 really the step one of what we are doing. Step two, uh, once you have the data, you need to give uh, some intelligence to this data because uh, knowing where the truck is or where the container is, is nice. You see something moving on a map, but that's not enough. You need to bring some, uh, some predictive layer on top of this to make sure that customers uh, not only see the, the truck or the container, but they also know when there is going to be a deviation compared to reality. Right. Uh, and deviation can mean a delay or it can mean any unexpected event that could happen into the, into the delivery. Uh, so that's what we are doing as a step two. It's ETA calculation mainly. So we calculate an ETA that is uh, uh, as accurate as possible for the delivery of our customers. And that's a topic that we've, uh, on which we've been invested on since two and a half years, almost three years. And, and it, I have to say that it costs a lot of money because we, we, we hire a data science team that are dedicated to this ETA topic. And we, we took a crazy bet three years ago to say, okay, we are not going to buy a solution from the market to calculate our ETA. We are going to build it internally. 
which was, right. a, okay. I have to mm -hmm. say, quite, quite crazy, uh, a quite crazy uh, bet, but hopefully it, it worked. Uh, and so we, we it's all about those crazy bets. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the crazy bets. If you're doing safe bets, they're not real yeah, exactly, interesting bets. Exactly. So <laughs> we, we do that, which is a second layer. So, and the third layer, which is probably uh, uh, related to the, to the vision, and uh, we, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, it's what to do with this data. Mm -hmm. And what, how can you improve your supply chain using this, using this visibility data? And as we have more and more customers being mature using the solution, uh, we really have some interesting and insightful discussion with some of the customers to understand how they can use the data to leverage uh, what they could leverage into their organization and to automate their supply chain. And supply chain automation is really the, 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 the vision that we have of using visibility tools. Um, and what does uh, supply chain automation means? It's reducing all the areas of friction that you can have into the day of a product moving into your supply chain. So the areas of friction could be dwell times, could be uh, uh, unproductivity, could be manual entries, could be et cetera, et cetera. All these stuff that cost money, we think that we are in a very great position to reduce these areas of friction and automate the supply chain of our customers thanks to visibility. And the, the system itself, does it completely integrate with existing systems like TMSs or an ERP or is it sure, a separate yeah, system? That's, that's okay. a starting point. That's a starting point yeah. of any project. Uh, we do integrate with... Um, with third-party systems uh, being either TMS, uh, ERP, uh, uh, order management system, WMS. So the, mm -hmm. the, the data can come from everywhere, basically, from our customers. Uh, and, and we also have great partnership with, with some of these uh, players. For example, we've just recently announced that we're joining the, the LBN program of SAP, uh, which yeah, is, which is a quite, mm -hmm. quite dynamic initiative that they are running right now at SAP to... Uh, uh, to, to build this uh, logistic business network uh, initiative, we've been uh, we've been uh, working with them since a long time to to integrate this. Uh, so yeah, it's it's also a combination of uh, sharing the data that we have uh, in Shipio in other systems to make sure that customers can really realize the, the value of, of these kind of solutions. Yeah, yeah. How many customers are currently on the platform? Uh, Eighty-ish, almost eighty customers. Yeah, as of today. Yeah, yeah. And then that translates into how many carriers? So they bring all their carriers with them. And that's a question I have. Once once a particular carrier is integrated for one customer, does that mean that the next customer that comes on does not have to integrate with that any longer? Or yeah, sure. Either? That's that's what we call the network effect. Uh, so yes, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Are, yeah. When customers are buying shipping, they are also buying the network that comes with it. Uh, okay, excellent. Yeah. And uh, so we are not only selling software, we are also selling the network or or yep. leveraging the network that we have for our customers. So yes, that's correct. The one, the one forty thousand carriers that we have today, uh, connected to the okay. platform, yeah. which is quite a lot, uh, can can be activated on demand uh, for the for the customers uh, that we yes. are. Okay, yeah. that's excellent. Yeah. So so if I come on and I use Hapag Lloyd, it's already integrated. So that's not an integration I have to do. Exactly. It's already there. I just have to turn on the, the the hose of of the fire hose of information, so to speak, for them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that, and that's that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it because uh, the more customers you have, the, the larger uh, network you have, etc. So it's, I mean, it's getting easier and easier day after day. So that's really the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah, and in terms also in terms of the data, does the does each customer benefit if another customer comes on? Not just in terms of the integrations that already exist, but also in terms of the data that's on the platform. In other words, do I with my shipments and the sort of predictive ETAs and maybe the some of the AI you're using in the process, 
does my predict do my predictions benefit from the predictions that are being made for other customers? Yeah. So what we do what we do is uh, is indeed machine learning, and machine learning means having a system that is uh, self uh, self learning. So it means that based mm -hmm. on the historical data that we have, the the algorithm will recognize some patterns and will say, Hey, I know this pattern. I've I've seen this pattern at another customer. I'm going to apply yeah. the the results of the algorithm to this use case. Yeah. And of course, the use case could be for the same customer, but we have a lot of customers that, that share the same patterns or the same, the same use case. Uh, okay, I'm an industrial customer doing A to B uh, with, uh, between uh, this country and this country and uses this type of carrier, that's a pattern. And we, we can reuse this uh, uh, to improve the ET algorithm. So of course, everything is anonymized. We are not sharing any data between customers, right. Uh, right, but right. We, we have a self-learning algorithm that also benefits from the... the so 10 million shipments that we have on the platform, we, we track 10 million shipments per year today. Yeah, yeah, awesome. What um, what sort of information is being used to predict these ETAs? Is it also, let's say, traffic information, of course, from 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 some of the telematic systems, of course, but also weather, st I mean, just weather yeah. patterns and so today what else we, goes we made the, yeah. We made the calculation uh, 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 some weeks ago with our, with our data science team, and we are using more than 200 parameters uh, in the algorithm. Uh, and it's a combination of external and internal parameters. Mm -hmm. So internal, it's related to what we just discussed, the patterns that we uh, we see on the transport order. So it could be uh, uh, the type of flow, type of carrier, type of uh, uh, transport mode, etc. So you have a lot of things like that. Um, and uh, and external would be uh, things that we collect not from our customers, but from from externally. So weather is part of it. Definitely, mm -hmm. we do rely on external data to uh, integrate the weather into algorithm. We do rely on traffic, of course, real-time traffic for different modes of transportation that also is included into the platform. So it's, yeah, it's a combination of both. Interesting. And what um, what industries is this most appealing to? Who's like your core industry you're going to? It's probably a variety of different industries, but who are the, the main industries that are benefiting the most currently? Yeah, I mean, I think there's not uh, really limitation, which is also, again, the, the beauty of this market, because uh, I, I, I don't think about the companies that would say, hey, I don't want to, I don't want, I want to, I don't want to know where my deliveries are. <laughs> I, I've never, I've never heard that. So uh, whatever the industry, I think it's applicable. If I, if I look at what's working really well today, I would say retail. Retail is a mm -hmm. very, very strong market for us, whether it's inbound or outbound deliveries uh, to shops and stores. Uh, we have uh, a lot of customers in retail. The second one would be... And by, by retail, you also mean e-commerce or only stationary retail? Uh, I would mainly say, uh, I would mainly say uh, yeah, stationary e-commerce. So uh, people like delivering okay. uh, stores mm -hmm. and shops. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. we, we do also have, and that's a good point, we do also have some e-commerce uh, players using our solution uh, because if, if, if at some point you don't know where your delivery is, uh, you won't be able to uh, tell to your customers that the product is available online. Uh, mm -hmm. And sometimes this has uh, you have some supply chain in e-commerce that are almost just in time because you don't want to have a lot of stocks. So if you if you are able to to tell to the customer uh, your container is here or there or the truck is here or there, this could impact the availability of the product online. So we also have some customers like like this who are using our solution to that to that purpose. So that's at retail um, manufacturing, uh, of course, and in manufacturing we have a very very strong uh, uh, traction in automotive. I think I don't have to really explain the value of having visibility for automotive. Uh, you know, yeah. all the challenge of, of a production line in the automotive yeah. if you're not on time or if your supplier is not on time, you are going to have big problems uh, which, which are going to imply a lot of uh, 
financial loss uh, for the company. So that's um, that's also a very strong vertical for us. We we do have a lot of customers in this industry. Uh, building materials, it's also an interesting one. Mm. Uh, we have a lot of traction in this. Uh, people delivering construction sites. You, you know that uh, it's almost, I mean, usually I'm almost describing this as a B2C use case because the, the, even if it's a B2B customer that you are delivering, the guy uh, who is waiting for the truck on the construction site, he, he has the same expectation that a B2C customer, he wants to receive an yeah. SMS notification saying, hey, the truck is late on time or it's coming, etc. So this is a very strong vertical. And the last one, uh, so I'm just naming a few, but the last one that I'm, I'm thinking about is, of course, uh, 3PL and 4PL. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, logistics provider in general. Um, and and I, I, I see a big change in the mentality of, of these companies and, and some of them being really innovative and saying, I want to proactively offer a visibility solution to my customer. So I'm going to buy Shipio to then uh, develop a new a new service uh, in my 4PL or 3PL offering, a new service for my customers. So that's also a strong market for us. And in terms of regions, what um, you started with a couple of customers in France and then I know you expanded to Germany. What does it currently look like? Where are you currently most active? In Europe, I assume it's only Europe right now? or um, no, Not only Europe, because if you look at where we've deployed the solution in the last in the last 12 months, it's 70, I think 72 countries. Uh, so it's quite... 72 uh, countries, quite okay. Quite large. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. For example, we do have 21 countries in Africa being covered by the solution. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, we mm-hmm. do tracking in Russia. Uh, we have some customers also using the solution in Asia. We have three countries in Asia. Fantastic. Uh, we have okay. uh, some uh, customers being active in North America. Uh, but most of them are European-based customers, European-based companies having global footprint. So we are, we are really good at uh, uh, working with uh, companies having a global footprint. Uh, but most of the decision centers, of course, are based in Europe. Um, if I look at the at the most active market in Europe, the first one that I would name would be Germany. I think. Um, uh, not telling that for you, Boris, but I mean it's a very very <laughs> dynamic market. Uh, we do have a great team uh, of people working in our in our Düsseldorf office, and and if I look at the last two quarters, the biggest traction that we had was in Germany uh, by far. Awesome. Yeah. So and yeah. as you know, it's a big industrial market. Uh, with a lot, lot, lot of, of companies uh, that could uh, use our solution. So it's an interesting market for us. Yeah, I saw the numbers that you reported. I think in the in the first half of 2020, you had like a 200% uh, year-over-year growth, revenue yeah. growth, or subscription revenue. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, that's, that's that's what we observe uh, in, in the first half, so in the last 12 months, 200% uh, growth. Uh, and, and part of it, a huge part of it was coming from Germany, uh, definitely. Uh, which is a very dynamic market again. So yeah, it's, it's again. I, I think it's only we, and which what's quite exciting is that it's only the starting starting uh, uh, years of this market. Uh, so yeah. we really have strong okay. strong strong uh, uh, expectation for the next years. Yeah, yeah. Has 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 COVID um, sped up or slowed down the progress? What do you think? One thing that is true is that it, it has not slowed down <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the, the progress. Uh, that's all the projects, for example, all the projects that we've uh, we've engaged right before COVID, they continued. Uh, some of them even accelerated. Uh, we had some sales cycles that were also uh, accelerated thanks to COVID. Uh, so of course, you have some companies that suffered from it. Uh, I'm not going to lie on this, uh, but but most of them uh, they are doing uh, they, are, they are willing to invest in these kind of solutions. Uh, you've you've heard uh, everything around this concept of uh, agility, resilience, etc. Uh, which can sometimes be uh, buzzwords, but uh, when it comes to visibility, it's really, really important and it's a huge yeah. part of it. Uh, so, no, I think, unfortunately, COVID 
uh, will also be uh, some sort of catalyst uh, in the in the next uh, few months to uh, to use these kind of solutions. Yeah, next next few months and next years is a good transition to the next topic. I would like to talk to you about the future. What do you, what does the um, the Shipio platform look like in in five years from now? What does the company look like? What does a what does a what does the platform look like? How would it evolve over time? Yeah, I mean, uh, I can come back to the vision uh, to the vision. Uh, of the, I mean, everything starts with a product, definitely. So uh, maybe I can start with that. Um, I think in, in a few years, Shipio will be a supply chain automation platform with visibility be, be, being the foundation of it, of course. But we've always we've always believed uh, with, with our customers, with our partners, with our with with, with, with my co-founders that visibility was the starting point mm-hmm. of something bigger. Mm-hmm. And this something bigger is. Again, what we call supply chain automation. Repeating myself, but it's reducing all the frictions that you can have into the supply chain of a customer. And visibility can help on this. If you want to reduce the manual entries, if you want to reduce the dwell time of your product moving into the supply chain, if you want to reduce your stocks, if you want to reduce to optimize your transportation plan, everything is related to visibility. Why? Because visibility is about data. And, 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 and by using this data, you'll be able to improve your organization and your supply chain processes. So mm-hmm. what we want to do is use our visibility uh, uh, solution to feed external systems that are used by our customers. Could be systems in transportation, could be system in warehouses, it could be system in planification, it could be system in optimization. All these systems, they, they will need the visibility information in the future. So I think that we'll be very well positioned to uh, uh, to run this uh, this supply chain automation platform in partners with other solutions. We don't we don't believe that we can do everything. Uh, that's not true. I mean, yeah. you, you you always have a lot of companies using a lot of different solutions. But we think that we can be uh, a kind of of starting point uh, of connecting these systems for our customers. Yeah. And in 2025, will you still be an independent company or will you have been acquired? Or will you have acquired several other companies? I saw you um, you acquired a, the first acquisition, right? O-Phone, I saw. Was yeah, that a competitor, we, we, by the we, way? We just bought a company uh, uh, this year during COVID, by the way. Uh, uh-huh. it's, a, it's a company based in France, 20 people based in Lyon. Uh, so we've opened a, a new office also in Lyon. Uh, it was a great, it, and it's a great company with great and talented people. So it was a small shipping, I would say, in France. So they were doing visibility and and and, and some other things, um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a great opportunity for us to uh, help them grow uh, with with the resources that we have at Chipeo. Uh, also, make sure that their customer grow with us. Uh, they have a really really talented team of of individuals uh, that are uh, that have a very great knowledge in transportation. I've told you that we like to mix. <laughs> if you remember, we like to mix yeah. between people mm-hmm. uh, having this knowledge and not, so that they are really knowledgeable about supply chain. So it's also a great asset for us. Awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, in five years, in, in 2025, I, I want to see the company growing. Uh, and uh, and I, I just want to reach the objective, which is to continue being a leader on this market. Uh, and, and whatever the form is, uh, it would be the right one, as long as the company keeps growing. So I, do, I don't have any answer to that, to that question specifically <laughs> because I, I don't know it. Um, and But what I'm sure is that Chipeo will still exist in five years and, and, and will continue to grow, of course. Well, it looks like you're you're on the on the right track there, Lucien. Thank you very much for the conversation today. It was great. Um, really, really nice talking to you again. I, I hope our audience will appreciate a sort of long, long form deep dive into everything Shipio. It's, it's an exciting story, and I can't wait to see how how the future unfolds for you guys. Great. Thanks so much for having me today, uh, Boris, and uh, 
looking forward to the next conversation. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was episode number one of the Logistics Tribe. I hope you enjoyed today's show and I'm very much looking forward to your feedback. I will leave a link to my LinkedIn profile in the show notes so you can contact me there. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the future episodes. I'm your host, Boris Felgendreher, and I hope to see you next time.